podcast for spirituality, mental health, fitness, finances, and relationships. I'm your host, Elmo, with my friend, Nishante. And today, we are having our guest on our show. She's first guest ever. She's a beautiful soul, amazing personality, who's a former doctor, has been helping people for more than the last 30 years. And now she's in sort of spiritual psychotherapy. Her name is Dr. Mary Quinn Levin, also known as Dr. Mia. Please welcome her. Welcome. Hi, everyone. It's lovely to be here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so much grateful for having you on this podcast. How are you today? Good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I've just been down the beach with a lovely friend at a lovely time. Yeah. Nice to talk to you guys. So good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mary. So Mia, you like Mia Mia. or Mary? Yeah. I do like Mia. Yeah. Mia means I am the beloved. And it came to me in a meditation. So I'm going with that. <laughs> All, right. All right, Mia. Um, I just want to start today's podcast by asking you my first question. Because when I was researching about you, I came to know that you, in the past you were suffering from anxiety issues, right? And while you were like doing your job and all that. And then you went on to the spiritual part. Like, what was your journey? How did it all started? Like, I just want to know that. Um, I'll try and keep it brief, but I'll give you a rundown. So I grew up in a big family. I was the youngest of five and uh, my parents as well, obviously. So seven of us. And yes, there was a lot of mental illness in the family. I love my family and they love me, but there was depression and anxiety and more severe forms of mental illness as well. And age 18, I started to develop anxiety and that was mainly around actually uh, I was an overdeveloped sense of responsibility around thinking I had to fix my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very burdened by that and um, always overwhelmed. Plus, I was studying medicine at the time and, you know, had high expectations of myself. So at that age, I started having intermittent therapy and I also um, did my first meditation course, aged 18. And that sort of, I guess you could say, I don't know, it's almost like that this lifetime, I didn't want to leave anything uncovered. It's like when I was experiencing symptoms that some aspect of me knew I had to turn towards them, knew I had to face them, work on them. And it meant that over the years, those early years, I had to learn how to stop trying to fix and carry other people, to love them, yes, but not to carry them. I also, I was a real people pleaser. I used to say yes all the time to everything and, you know, I didn't want to disappoint people, didn't want to rock the boat. So I didn't know how to say no. (laughs) So I really had to learn to stop being a people pleaser and had to learn to not have such high expectations of myself, to be vulnerable, to ask for support, to reach out, to accept my emotions, my fear, my pain, my vulnerability. So that was all a journey, you could say. And... Uh, studying I did grow up I went to a Catholic school and went to mass in the Catholic church as a young child and probably you know there was spirituality in me for sure but I didn't really relate to Catholicism I struggled with the rules and so I kind of left that you could say and as a young doctor and married to my husband Dan and having children spirituality wasn't a big part of my life but 
I always knew in medicine that I wasn't fulfilled, that I felt like I wasn't getting to the depth with people, that 15 minutes with each patient wasn't enough. And very suddenly, 10 or 12 years ago, I just developed severe insomnia, like literally would lie awake all night before a medical session and subsequently couldn't go because it was too dangerous to be a doctor when you, you know, haven't slept at all. So over two years, I gradually cut down the number of sessions and, um, you know, intermittently would sleep well. And then if I did too much, would not sleep well and tried other things, tried working in theatre, assisting surgeons, and that didn't really work. It wasn't me. But I always knew I had a passion for mental health. And so I ended up deciding that I was going to leave the general practice setting and just work from home. And I was still a doctor. I still, my clients still got a Medicare rebate, but I just did psychotherapy. And that was the beginning of a beautiful, joyous life <laughs> for me. Mm. And, and in that, I... Um, and I started sleeping really well. And, you know, in the process, when I had developed severe insomnia, my colleagues had said to me, you know, we think you're depressed. And they said, told me to try med medication. And I did, but it didn't work, of course. <laughs> and I didn't want to use it anyway. So, you know, I, I sort of realised that I wanted to start following what my heart was telling me. And a few months into that time when I'd left general practice and it was very slow to start maybe just one or two clients a week it was very scary didn't know if it would work so um but I read Eckhart Tolle's book my mother and Doreen in fact gave me Eckhart Tolle's book The Power of Now and I read it and I thought god there's a lot of wisdom in this but god he's a fruit loop you know because <laughs> I was really a scientist I was a doctor you know and and but I picked it up three months later and I just it was like this is it and I'd been waking up at night having insights about clients. It was like I'd wake up and I'd be meditating and it suddenly it would just come to me, oh, that's what I need to do. That's how I, you know, and it was like presence was starting to work for me. So, and then, would well, you want me to go on with the spiritual journey? Yeah. yeah. You want me, yeah? Yeah. You want me to love so far. <laughs> okay. So, well, just the spiritual journey was that, once I started to feel, actually, I went away for a weekend with my husband. We were camping in the bush. Nature is so much a part of spirituality, you know. And I was working on just really being present with the trees. And I started to feel the trees. I started to feel presence. And that was the beginning. And then I was looking on YouTube one day and I saw this woman, Isaira. She's a deeply enlightened being who is here in service. She's been enlightened for many lifetimes. And I started going to her retreats and I had some counseling with her. And, you know, I just opened and I opened and, but I do want to say the journey, you know, it's not easy. It, it this letting go of ego business, the ego doesn't like it. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, resistance. And I, you guys in that first podcast, I listened, you know, you said you'd read a book and you didn't quite Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. You know, it's that. It's the resistance of the ego. You know, and I remember going to retreats with Isaira where my neck would be tense. I'd be having headaches. It's like my whole body was screaming, "Don't go!" You know, <laughs> but I knew because I could feel in her that she was resting in Christ, Spirit, Love, whatever you want to call it. And so, 
I stuck with Isaira and on a retreat in 2017, I had this beautiful experience of some um, Indigenous spirit aunties coming to me while I was sitting at Uluru. And the day after that, I started awakening into what I'd call emptiness, which is where you start to recognise that none of it's really real. And, and then Isaira calls it empty fullness. I started to soon after that, awaken into the light, which is this sense of what we really are. But, you know, I would be, I would, I would awaken into that space for like two seconds and then the ego would go, you know, and close. It's like, a, honestly, it, it, there is so much resistance. And in the set, after Uluru, when I first awakened, Isara had another retreat where I truly awakened into light. And I don't know if you listened to that story, but so much resistance came up in me in that moment when I, because I could feel Isaira as this divine, shining, loving essence, you know, resting there that is the all, you know, it still makes me quiver as I, as I describe it. And that whole week I was just shaking and tense and half of me was going, God, you don't want to do this. This is awful. And I would find things wrong with Isaira, all sorts of stuff, you know, and then, the other half of me was being drawn into this beautiful light, you know, feeling so vulnerable. And because there's great vulnerability in it, because we think we're not lovable. We, people say that we're more scared of our light than our darkness, and it's true. You know, we are scared of that essence of what we are. So in the last probably few hours, I was actually having murderous thoughts of Isaira. <laughs> You know, they were going through my head and that was the ego mind. And I told her and she said, don't worry, the Buddha had murderous thoughts. So I thought, oh, well, that's okay then, you know. And it's really, it's really, it was my ego so terrified that I wouldn't be accepted when I entered the light. But I managed to just stay there and, and I entered into it. And it's beautiful, <laughs> you know. We have started our spiritual journey as well, like say one and a half years ago. And what I will ask you now is how did you like end up so quickly being enlightened? Like how did you feel that presence? Yeah. Of well, the one all, yeah. Look, first of all, I want to correct something. I don't think I'm enlightened yet. Yes, okay. I access. Yes, I access enlightened states regularly so I can rest in that state of light but I want to let you know after first awakening you know like I could when I went home from that retreat and I didn't have Isaira there is like permanently drawing me to that space space my ego I wanted to withdraw you know my my ego wanted to withdraw and I had to work on you know I had to work meditate for an hour or two every day you know work on being in nature, allow the vulnerability, allow the fear, allow the anger that would come up. You know, there was a lot of, so it's probably taken three years or where are we now? Yeah, before I really can sit really comfortably in that space, but I'm still not there all the time. And I think truly enlightened beings, I mean, there are many beings that say they're, well, that think they're enlightened, but maybe aren't quite there yet. But because Osiris so enlightened, <laughs> you know, I kind of know that I've still got a way to go. So it's not, um, so I just do want to correct you on that. I still, I'm not there all the time. I'm not, I'm not resting in that all the time. And, but you asked, how did you get there so quickly? And I think 
you know how I said aged 18, every time I experienced, and I did have a period of depression too when my first son was born. So every time I experienced anxiety, depression, pain, fear, I turned towards it. You know, I, I wanted to discover where it was really coming from. So I was willing to have therapy. I was willing to be vulnerable. And I think that was the fertile ground that meant that when spirituality came to me, that I was able to awaken to it so well, relatively quickly because I was open, you know, I, I was, yeah. You're allowing and, everything to come to yeah, you. Yeah. And it's, it's the allowing the darkness, you know, we, because we live with this ego mind, we have fear, we have anger, we have jealousy, we have hatred even, you know, we, we have, and, and we've got to see that with such compassion, equal compassion, you know, to the, to the love and the joy, right? It's, yeah. Yeah, um, as you said that you are still on the path, you don't consider yourself fully enlightened. Um, I want to ask you, like, what does word enlightenment actually means to you? Because as I read along my path and what I experienced, like, some people say knowing that you are not body, you're not mind is enlightenment. Whereas some spiritual masters have said that when you have that feeling, when you feel everything is one, that wholeness, that's yeah. what enlightenment is. So yeah. what is like, is it, is it knowing that you are not body mind or actually realizing that wholeness, oneness, that's what enlightenment is? Okay. Well, look, you're only getting my, my feeling from my experience here and yeah. I don't consider myself a spiritual master, but I, I, Syrah, who has been, she doesn't even like me saying her teacher. She just says she's an example, you know? mm. but I tell you what, she's a really good one. So um, I do know what I really am because when you awaken into, even from when you first open into emptiness, you know that this appearing uh, physical experience isn't real. So I do, I know what I really am. I, I also know you mentioned oneness. So you do rest in that state of oneness. Yes, I do do that but I'm not there all the time. I can still get caught in mind. And yes, there are probably beings that say they're enlightened or feel that they are enlightened and, you know, nearly are or maybe are on their way. But because I've got this teacher that's so enlightened, <laughs> you know, and it's a bit like I'm a sapling and she's a whole forest of trees, you know, it's just, I mean, she's, man, you know, so I know I've got, and I can still have fear. You know, I don't think Isaira has fear anymore. I think, and even someone like Eckhart Tolle, you know, to be able to, you know, you've, you've I know you've read his book, The Power of Now. And, you know, he slept on a park, I, I heard him say he slept on a park bench for a few years, I think, you know, when he was deeply resting in oneness without anything that needed to be added. So not that sense of fear of where the next meal is going to come from or, and, you know, that requires pretty deep trust, you know, and I don't think I'm quite there yet. Yes, I'm journeying there, but so to me, maybe full enlightenment means such trust, such permanent resting in that oneness that there's no fear anymore, that we really are in love. Yeah. in calm state all the time who's just accepting and allowing 
no resistance at all. Yeah. 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 Now, now, on that, Isaira says tension is inevitable. Tension is inevitable. Suffering is optional. So she says because we exist in this experience, there will always be moments of tension. But yes, as you say, not the suffering because she so surrenders to it, so trusts that this is perfect, that there's not the suffering, the holding on to resistance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so beautiful the way you explained it. And as it, as it, as you have said that there comes a lot of resistance when you are trying to go on spiritual path, right? Because our ego mind is not used to it. So how how do you say to someone who is starting or something and he or she is getting a lot of resistance, like their mind is saying, this is not the way you're supposed to do. So you got to do this way, that way, or they're feeling a lot of jealousy, hatred. They're not all right with their work. So how do you say some, how do you teach someone to get over it? How, how can they trust the process and the universe and then just flow with everything? Yeah. Beautiful, right? You guys are asking great questions. <laughs> um, oh, look, there's so many tools to that question, but what you do with resistance ultimately, which is really, it's just fear and it's fear that what we're going to meet, that our light, that somehow we're not enough, that we're going to be turned away. The Course in Miracles, which I also love, calls it core guilt. Um, but whatever it is, that's what creates that resistance. And what you do is you hold it with absolute compassion and absolute love. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes even what I have had to do for myself is rather than trying to force myself into that space is actually pull back a bit. When the fear comes up, the resistance comes up, let myself go more gently, you know, let myself take it more easily. And with emotion, with any emotion, Asira also teaches this thing called the Shakti Shake and it's brilliant. And it's where you, regularly do some deep breathing and then have a really good shake and just because emotion you know energy our jealousy our fear it's just it is just energy it's and and we tend to because we don't like our anger our fear our we hold it in we hold on to it as though it's not okay or so we're not okay and we need to release it and let it out not on other people but just to learn how to do some deep breathing have a good shake so I, every day I have a good shake and I often will growl, scream, cry. I live near the beach and I often dive under the waves and just go, <laughs> let it all out. And it has really, I saw her when she first taught me to do it, I didn't do it. And I realized that was because I was ashamed of my anger, my fear, my pain. But now, mate, I'll tell you what, <laughs> my neighbors are used to it. I just have a good scream if I need it, you know, and and it has taught me to be at peace with my fear, my anger, my resistance. And the only thing we can do with our resistance is again, turn towards it, hold it with compassion, go incredibly gently with it. And if you are gentle with fear, it will soften. But what we tend to do is when we feel scared or anger or jealousy or some emotion we don't like, we calcify against it, you know, we don't like it. We and it doesn't serve, you know, we, we've just got to love it. And that's the way through resistance. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, that's, that's so nice. That's a great answer. Yeah, um, um, I just want to ask you a question. Like, 
I, my family is a bit on the spiritual path. So, so that's how I think I have got something of it. Like that was my stepping stone to getting on this path. But as I've gone through my journey, what I've found is that they think that they're on spiritual path, but they are still living the same lives that a non-spiritual person is living. They are still like complaining and doing those things that a non-spiritual person would say. And I'll often say to them, it's better do the same stuff which non-spiritual person are doing rather than saying you that you are spiritual and then you still suffer going through the same sufferings. But what I think is actually they don't observe these things in themselves. It's me observing themselves, no? But if <laughs> they're starting observing it by themselves, obviously they change it, All right? So um, just want to know like, what, what, what would the, be the way like people can observe themselves, like what they are doing, are they on the right path or not? Because I know a lot of people who've been, who say that they are on spiritual path and been on that path for years. But as I've observed them, their lives are still same. They're still having, going through those mental arguments, mental fights, negative thoughts, and which in turn is affecting their physical body as well. Right? So I think they are still in the unconscious state. They can't observe like what's going on around while they think they are working. But so how can one get out of that trap? Like really know that we are going on the right path or it's just in a yeah. loop. Yeah, yeah. Again, a beautiful question. You guys are really, <laughs> you guys are doing a great job here. Um, and look, I know how painful it is to watch people that you love suffer and and caught in stuff that you'd love to fix. <laughs> but the truth is we can't. And we were talking about resistance a moment ago and all it is in those beings is that they're scared, you know. And so many people want to do spirituality but they don't want to do the hard stuff yeah. and the hard stuff is the facing all that emotion you know facing our, our patterns in the world our you guys I think on the first one we're talking about patterns of thought that we have or it might be victimhood or patterns of behavior that aren't serving us or you know whatever it is and we need to see that stuff you know and but of course because the ego doesn't want to face itself it resists that and it's, and I have had my hands burned many times, my fingers burned, you know, many times wanting to guide people when they didn't want my yeah. guidance. <laughs> I can and, feel yeah. yeah, and I realised that that was, in fact, it was my ego, you know. it was There was a part of me thinking um, that I knew the right way forward for them when actually the right way forward for them is exactly what they're doing. And maybe they just need to suffer a little bit more or struggle with their conditioning or their patterns or their thought a little bit more before they are ready to do what's scary, you know, mm -hmm. to step towards vulnerability. And But the greatest thing you can do, and I think you guys are doing it and, and you already know this, is set the example. Yeah. So, you know, you've got family members that you'd love to see shifting. Just love them as they are. Love them as this being that's a little bit too scared to face themselves. And it doesn't mean that you have to enable them, though. So, for instance, if they have difficult patterns, for instance, let's just say someone's caught in a lot of victimhood or a lot of complaining, you don't have to listen to that. You can, in your engagements with them, you can try and avoid listening to too much complaining or just change the subject or just 
um, kind of walk away or, you know, you, you don't have to enable bad behaviour or, or behaviour that doesn't feel wholesome, you know, but, but, but you can also just love them as beings who don't know any different. So it's a case of no judgment or non-judgment, but also not enabling, you know, yeah. and set the example. Yeah. yeah. So while talking about family members, when we start our spiritual journey, I've seen that my relationship with my sister, it struggled a bit. Because when I started, I started forcing her to do the right thing because I thought that that's how I'm going to make her life better. Yeah. And then for the, there was a period of time that my relationship with my sister struggled. And then I understood before, after that, I need to just let go and she yeah. will do whatever the things she has to do. And today, if I look today, my sister is a spiritual being as well. She, I became the example to her after that. And yeah. now following the footstep. And yeah. I mean, like she's way ahead there with what she used to be. I'd like to ask you, did your relationship with any of your family members struggle when you started your spiritual journey? Because everybody doesn't understand what we are thinking. And we usually try to avoid conversation about complaining or anything negative. I think that makes yeah. a little bit difference and it might make our relationship suffer a bit. So, so I want to add on that, like, let's say like a year ago, I used to discuss all the things that are going wrong in my life, right? So that's how normally our minds are being trained, right? We neglect all the positives, we pick up all the negatives and start sharing, right? And I was sharing with one of my family members this thing, and that's what they are, you know, habitual to, like discussing problems. And now what I've learned is it's the, the well-being is natural. You have to let go of the resistance and it all comes on like a better path for you. And so I've stopped discussing and sharing this negative stuff. So I don't do this anymore. But my family members think that I have stopped talking to them. Like I'm not talking to them a lot that I used to be. So they say, oh, you have changed and all that. So, so somewhere I've got an inner voice and says, oh, are you changing? Are you on the right path? Like, although I'm avoiding these negative talks, but my relationships are with like, you know, it's creating a bit of challenges on that. So yeah. I know that voice, like what could be the best advice? Yeah, look, so beautiful you two. I love where you guys are going. I'm just, yeah. So look, first of all, I, I'm continuing to love your questions and, and loving seeing yeah. where you're both going. And Nishan, you know, seeing what you did with your sister and just accepting her as she was, it's beautiful, you know, and you can see, and I, I do want to let you know, that's what consciousness is. It's unconditional love. You know, that's what the Buddha, Jesus, Isaiah, it's, it's acceptance. That's what the light is. It is the most pure, sublime, unconditional love. <laughs> you know? So you guys learning this is, is beautiful. And then, Anmol, your question, you know, um, your family struggling a little bit with you sort of changing the pattern. And look, that, that's demonstrating great courage on your part. That, and, and this is what happens when we do change our conditioned patterns. You know, we, don't, we know that we don't want to be enabling or engaging in perhaps a lot of, you know, complaining talk or things like that anymore. Now, I do want to let you know, though, it's perfectly okay to be vulnerable and sad and ask for support. There's a difference, <laughs> okay? And sometimes we need a hug. Sometimes we need to 
you know, say to someone, I'm really struggling and, and vulnerability and letting someone know what you're feeling is perfectly okay. It's when we're caught in a lot of this shouldn't be and woe is me and that's not fair and why is this happening and, you know, that kind of real complaining, that's probably doesn't serve us as much. But never to judge it, only to see it, never to judge it. We all, I still have moments of that, you know. But it's beautiful when you, when you recognise that you want to start to change a pattern. And yes, it's scary because those around us can react in a way, you know, they, they may not like it. They may want to keep you as the animal that they once knew, you know. So it's just a matter of staying true to what you know is wholesome for you, but working on... and. And you can still not enable, for instance, if members of your family are caught in that, you can work on not um, trying not to encourage that, you know, trying to change it, like I said, change the subject, or you can even directly raise it with them if you feel that's appropriate. But still loving them, just, just keep loving them because they don't know that they're caught in a pattern that may not be wholesome. So you've got to find ways to love them and even sometimes, for instance, if you did want to say to someone, um, you know, I struggle when we talk like this or about this certain subject, you can bookmark it. You know, people always say you can love sandwich it. You say something beautiful to them at the beginning, like, you know, I really love you and really care about you, but I really don't want to chat about this anymore. And let's talk about this. And I, you know what I mean? So you're letting them know how much you care about them. And it just, it gets better. The patterns start to shift slowly, but you've got to stay true and have that courage that you both have, obviously. So well done. <laughs> so yeah. did your relationship with any of your family members struggle? Like in the beginning, in the beginning when you started? Yeah. Um, look, probably um, that happened more, spirituality happened, as I said, sort of afterwards, when I was having therapy and learning how to pull back from various patterns, probably um, they were the more challenging moments for me, but they're so used to me kind of walking my own path by now that, that when spirituality happened or started perhaps, you know, eight, 10 years ago, you know, I just sort of, there she is doing her own thing again. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I've been that person now that, that uh, walks the authentic path, let's say, you know, or, or at least tries to, yeah. All right, Mia, that's great talking to you. It's been a great time with you. Um, yeah, my next question is, I think it, it's, it'll be helpful to our audience as well. So as we talk that we should love, right? No matter what conditions, without any judgments, we should love, right? But as, as I look back, the definition of love keeps on changing with, with time, right? And first, like, love used to be, I have set up a list of characteristics, like this, 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 and where I find these set of characteristics in a person, I love that person. <laughs> and that's what it was used to be. But then by the time I have learned that no matter how a person is, or because we're always changing, right? We're learning new things. We're leaving up, let's say, the patterns that we don't want to keep. And if, if you really love someone, it will always stay there, no matter whatever they are, what are they doing, whoever they are, right? 
So I just want you to explain like what does love like actually means? Like what 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 does it like, have an idea like people that's what love is. It's not like loving that person or I hate that person because love is same for everybody, right? I'll yeah. add to this, you know, when some people are in relationship and then suppose they break up for some reason and after months then they start saying that I hate that person yeah. because he or she did that she cheated, me. On me or... cheated on me but the only reason they hate that person is some of the character in them changed and that's how i think the hatred goes on between countries and everything just because one character between them doesn't match at all yeah so yeah. how how would you like to describe it's, this it's the same person that someone is dying to uh, so they could die for that person right and but then, once they end up that relationship and same person it turns out another different person decides i hate this person you know? mm. but what i think that's not love then if mm. a moment ago i was saying i could die for this person and if it if he did something wrong then i could say oh, i hate this person he's not a person that i suppose he was but i sure. think that's not love right yeah but so love actually is yeah again beautiful question um <laughs> and <laughs> um oh well look that's a big one but <laughs> love is unconditional that's for sure but it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes need to leave relationships. So for instance, if you are with someone, say you married someone relatively young and you were both in theory on a spiritual path and, but you continue to really work on yourself, face your vulnerability, face all your stuff, your patterns and work on spirituality and your partner perhaps dug their head in the sand and Perhaps you were at times copying some of their projections, you know, their pain or their fear, their patterns. Now, it's not that you would, because you see, anytime someone's stuck, it's just like what we were talking about with family, you know, they're only stuck because of their fear and because they're not yet ready. And who are we to say when someone is ready? So it may mean love sometimes has to be incredibly firm. And, you know, I'm a parent and, you know, I've had to be firm at times on my kids for sure, but it never has to judge. So there's, it's about, and, you know, those situations that you talk about when, you know, you're infatuated and you love someone and then it doesn't, doesn't quite work out because you're not meeting each other's needs or whatever. Um, sorry, there's a helicopter flying over. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Anyway, do you want me to pause? No, that's so good. Going. It's going. No, so, good. Um, so um, where was I? It, it is about, yeah, you were saying that, you know, we people can end up hating that person. Yeah. And look, what we really hate is in, in another is what they're showing us of ourselves. So, so. But yeah, that, that's um, a good thing. Yeah, it's. This. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, if, if someone, so often we hate what we dislike in another is their fear because we aren't yet at peace with our own. And being a therapist has been an absolute gift for me because I, you know, I see some humans who are really struggling you know, and really caught in a lot of fear and they can be at times challenging, you know, and Isaira once said to me, those that are the hardest to love are the ones that need it the most. And it's true. And what those, you know, the privilege 
the opportunity of seeing those beings is that they were showing me my deepest fears, my deepest pains, you know, my things that I wasn't. Because anytime someone is being angry, aggressive, abusive, controlling, it all comes from fear, right? And we've all done that. We've all done it. You know? So it's not that we can't leave someone or, or make ourselves safe or steer clear of someone or, or even leave a friendship, you know, not choose to be their friend anymore if they're stuck in pains. Of course, sometimes we need to do that. And this journey, you know, the saddest part of this journey for me has, there has been some of that, you know, some of my friendships have dropped away and I still love them and I send them light when I think of them, but, you know, they're not who I would choose to be with. However, do I still hold them as Christ? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And because if I'm learning to hold another as Christ, even with their fear, their pain, their anger, their whatever it is they've got, then you know what? I'm going to believe that I am being held as Christ. And the Course in Miracles calls it true forgiveness. And it's where you learn to recognize another as divine love and truly worthy of that. And yeah. once you do that, yeah, you will recognize yourself that way. So, yeah. That's, That's a great answer. Yeah, Thanks beautiful answer. Thanks for that, Mia. And now let's talk about manifesting because when I first started my spiritual, I read this book called The Secret. I don't know if you have heard of it. It's a secret by Rhonda Bryan. It's called Secret by Rhonda Bryan. And then yeah. what she's talking on that book is whatever you think you get in your life. So if you want a car, you should be thinking about that car and you should be believing that you've already got it. So what are your idea on manifesting big visions or big dreams by just thinking? <laughs> oh, I'm probably a little bit, I probably sit somewhere a little bit different. Look, there's no doubt that our thoughts and our emotions are all tied up. And yes, they have absolute effect on outcomes they do you know so a lot of negative thinking a lot of fear uh, will impact us however um, there's also other things at play there's also what we came here to experience and you know in some lives we're perhaps meant to be very wealthy and in other lives less so you know so I guess what I work on for myself and I'll give you an example here is and I think you guys are doing this already so it would be three things one is um what do I really value what am I core I start with that right what do I really value and for me now it is growing in love and growing in spirit right and and working on being that in my relationships as much as I can not judging myself when I mess it up, which I regularly do, by the way. So, <laughs> so, but, so my core value, and that's why I recently left um, medicine altogether um, because I, medicine was limiting my ability to dive into spirituality. And that was coming from my heart. You know, it's like this sense of, I really want to dive into this now. And it has been, you, know, you talk about manifesting big initially when of course I do something like that some of my clients do fall away because they have to pay a bit more now you know they're um, perhaps not as into the spirituality as I am but also there are many who value what I'm doing and are continuing to see me you know so but 
I know, and I think you guys are doing this already, is that when you have when you have a core value, you and and it's you feel like that's what your inner voice, your God voice, your spirit is telling you to do that you want to do it. And I think that's why you two are doing this podcast, you know, because you that's you're following that, right? So that you've got to follow what you value now. And many of us don't realize that we're still valuing, you know, we might be valuing, I don't know, a lot of material goods, we might be valuing a lot of money. Now that doesn't mean that it's not okay to, you know, aim to buy a house, to have a car that you like to drive in, to save for your super. Of course it is, you know. However, that can't be the core mm, motivation, you know, like. So it's what I value, then what my intention is from that, how am I going to speak that in the world? You know, does it mean doing a podcast like you two are doing, you know, and sharing this journey? You know, does it mean being a spiritual psychotherapist rather than just a, a psychotherapist GP as I was or, you know, whatever it means. And then the final thing is making sure that fear is not limiting you. <laughs> So when you talk about negative thoughts or, or, or negative emotion, we've always, the only way you can deal with fear is by acknowledging it and accepting it with love. We can't try and be rid of it. You've got to accept it. But it has taken you to courage to step towards this, what you're doing right now, right? And there will be challenges along the way. There will. And you, you need to go into your heart space with those challenges and let that speak to you and continue to face your fear, not let fear limit, right? And that's what, and, and it may mean if you do that, if you don't let fear limit you, you trust what you value, you, you follow your heart's intention, there will always be enough. And that is, in a spiritual sense, manifesting big. <laughs> now, whether that means you end up being really wealthy or whether it ends up being just enough to have the life that you want to live with spirit, that's okay too. That's still wholesome. That's still manifesting in a, do you see what I mean? That's, yep. yeah. Yeah. That would be the way I would. Yeah. Also, I've seen the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you have heard of him as well. So yeah. what, what he does is he teaches people to connect their mind, body, spirit, to heal themselves, to heal themselves yeah. from chronic diseases, cancers all those all those things that medicine says that we can't do anything for it and he has got so many people um, i think millions of people done it and then they have recovered from any illness they've got so what are your thoughts on this mind body spirit connection to heal ourselves from any like mental trauma or physical illness yeah um absolutely um yeah, having been a GP for 30 years, I recognised, and I think that's why I ended up getting severe insomnia, because I knew that I wasn't really, in 15 minutes, I was not, I mean, I tried, you know, with clients. It contradicts as well with medicine, you know, as this way says that you can heal yourself by your mind, using your mind, and the medicine says you got to be in hospital, you need to have this medicine, you need to do this, this, yeah. this. Yeah. So it contradicts yeah. as well. So as you are a yeah. doctor as well, so how yeah. does that make you feel? Yeah. yeah. Look, I certainly believe that there are many illnesses that are, well, 
all illnesses that are emotionally, spiritually, psychologically connected and that we do have to heal the whole being and that that, that is what is going to heal us physically as well. And I know for me, you know, I can, you know, for instance, when I was building up to this process of leaving medicine, there was a lot of fear in me and I had a rash, I reckon, for about six months, <laughs> you know, and it was it was fear. It was, oh God, vulnerability and not trusting enough, you know, and, and, and it's, it's gone now, you know, because I've rested into that more. And so there are many things that are certainly contributed to, but I, but I do also want to say here that um, we don't, I wouldn't want people to judge themselves if they are experiencing an illness because we don't choose it consciously at all. In fact, it might even be chosen before we come into this experience you know and some of us also you know it's a bit like what I was saying with wealth or not wealth you know sometimes part of the experience is we're meant to experience an unwell body and and you know there are beings who are incredibly enlightened who it comes time to make their transition or pass away who will die of a certain illness you know so it's not that uh it's never about judgment and sometimes it's just part of the innate nature of being on this planet that we're going to get a virus or so. But yes, if we learn to heal our mind, our spirit and our emotion, there are many illnesses that would ease <laughs> and, and go. And so, yeah, I firmly believe that. But never, never judging. Yeah. Just, just trying to listen, trying to listen to what this... Illness. And very often with clients, if they come to see me with a various an illness, I will get them to tune in to, you know, in a very non-judgmental, very compassionate way, what it is this could be, what value they can gain from it, what they're learning from it. And people can give you the answer. You know, yeah. it's I need to slow down. I need to stop carrying my family. I need to stop, you know, they can tell you. So, yeah. Thanks for your answer, Mia. Well, that's that's I think best conversation about spirituality and our health, and on relationship and love as well. And so I just want to ask another question that always hits my mind every time I meet someone who is like on spiritual path, who has a good take about life. I always ask those people, and I just want to ask like, actually there are two beliefs. You know, some people believe they, that their lives are already destined. So they are just living as a victim. Whatever comes, they have to go through it. Whereas there's a other group of people who think that they create their lives, right? And in the past, I used to believe like, yeah, our lives are destined, you know? If I came to Australia, it was destined to that I would come. So I couldn't control. But then they, some, some people say it's 50% me, 50% destined, like, I'll have different takes on that. Mm -hmm. I want to hear from you, like, is it is it like we create whatever we're experiencing or it's destined or like halfway to, how's it? <laughs> wow, you guys and your questions. <laughs> <laughs> and Mal, that's a really good one. And everyone wants to know the answer to that question. Yeah. Um, I think it's a mix of both, actually. And, and I please know you're only getting my, what I'm saying from my experience. Um, I do, it's my sense that 
the soul is on a, our spirit is on a journey of growth and we perhaps, well, that we do choose the life and some experiences that are, and even the family we come into and the place we come into as a part of that before we even get here. So that there, you know, there are things that are part of a script, you could say. However, that we can change that script, if you want to put it that way, by growing. So for instance, if, so you guys are learning to move beyond patterns and to face your fear and to, you know, step towards things that may feel vulnerable, that feel but that are part of your heart, you know, and that is going to lift you out of the kind of the doldrums, you could say, you know, whereas many humans, for instance, may be caught in a job that they don't love, that is really weighing them down, that they're too scared or too vulnerable to change that, or don't even let themselves think about changing that because there's fear that they don't want to see. Many humans are controlled by fear that they don't even know exists, you know. So therefore, they will be stuck in that pattern for that whole life. And therefore, they're not going to change that script, you know. So I do believe that as we heal and grow and also truly hold ourselves with love, the Course in Miracles, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I, I, my sense is that, that even, you know, what people say is karma, you know, is, yeah. is what we do comes back to us. And I think that's true. However, if we, I don't know, say, for instance, we, you know, I hurt someone, which we've all hurt other humans as a child or something. And, and, you know, my karma might be that that might come back to me. But if I was to hold that child who hurt another being because she was scared or she was in pain or she was struggling and I was to truly forgive her, recognise that she was just lost in that space of fear and to hold her as divine love, which is what we really are, you know, and that that was really only a dream, this life is really more dreamlike than real, then that that shifts the karma, you know, like that because I've let it go, I've really held that mistake I made with great, well, with true forgiveness, true love. So both in that sense of us forgiving ourselves and both in the sense of us growing and moving on from patterns, I think we can shift our experience. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's awesome. Because a lot of people act as a victim to their lives. They end yeah. up staying victim. And I yeah. think and life is such a precious gift given to us. And if we stay like a victim mentality, we waste a lot. So yeah. I think we need to know that we are here, spiritual beings having a human experience, and we can create and live the way we want actually. So yeah. That's the better way to live to the fullest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be stuck in fear and be as a, act as a victim. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Live your joy. This, <laughs> I've got this question in my head from way back, okay? So when I was a child, I always used to have this big vision of success in my head. I've never seen someone as successful, but I always had it with me. Yeah. But when I came here, I... I've joined this journey. I think this is all leading me to become a successful person in the future. But I've seen so many people, they don't get this, uh, this kind of vision till they die. They, they just live the life as it is and then they just die. So where does this vision come from? 
for some someone because some people are having this vision and some people are not so yeah. where does this come from so, so what, what, you, what you mean is like not everybody everyone dreams of success right yes like some people dream to be a doctor and that's how this universe is balanced you know if everyone starts thinking in the same so yeah. so you want to know like how it actually yeah, how works. does it come because when i was a child i've never seen a successful person but i had in my head that in future i'm going to go and give big speeches but i've never seen someone done it but i had all these pictures in my head how does how, how did that, that come from in my head that was <laughs> I, I still i'm still wonder i still wonder about this thing like how 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 was i imagining all this thing yeah nishan i'm sure if you really cheat in you could tell me how come that <laughs> how come that came to you um look different things are different um the success that i think you guys are aiming for and that i'm aiming for too is a success that's a wholesome success that's bred from what i talked about those values that you love and you know the intention that you love and um however look there are some beings that, that just don't see that possibility because they've grown up without anyone around them uh showing them that possibility and they don't believe in themselves it's lack of self-worth it's fear not wanting to step through fear that limits people but converse to that too some people can grow up in absolute poverty and or in real struggle and then be really determined to make a lot of money for instance and and go and make a lot of money you know so but then even that if it's driven continuously from fear of lack it may not be a life of peace right yeah. so um there's always room, no matter what position we're in, whether we're well off, not well off, somewhere in the middle, of seeing the true, what our true values are, what our true intent is. Are we coming from fear? And, you know, is that making us this being that's working endless hours and not seeing the family or, you know, getting caught in material possession because it makes us feel safe? Or, you know, there's all those things that I guess need to be just very gently looked at. And, and by the way, it's good to be very compassionate. I've got a number of clients that, um, in fact, someone I saw this week who, you know, and many in the past who have come from real poverty and therefore forced themselves to stay in a job that they really don't like because they're so determined to have security. And, and, I, and, if, and I've talked with them about you know, if it's really making them suffer, that to gently approach the idea of moving on from that, but also to be compassionate. You know, if you've come from a lifetime that was really vulnerable and perhaps there was poverty and perhaps, of course, you're going to want to, you know, make sure you're safe. <laughs> so not only do we have to see our patterns, but we've got to be incredibly compassionate with them and, and actually let them be sometimes and move on from them in a very gentle manner rather than, thinking we have to push that one down, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was a pleasure having you in this podcast. So before we go, I'd like to ask you two questions, okay? <laughs> yeah. One is, how can someone who's never been in a spiritual path or anything can start? Because I remember when I read this book from The Power of Now you're talking about before. From yeah. I... I had to push myself to finish this book because I did not understand a single thing. Yeah. When when was the first time I read this book, and it yeah. took me it 
took me a year to understand what it is. So what is your suggestion for someone who would like to start their spiritual journey from today? Yeah. Um, you know, Nishant, it's, I think it's, it's in you. <laughs> and, and it's a little bit like that last question you had with you and your, you know, what yeah. drove me, you know, to want to grow and succeed and do well. It's just, it's in you. It's like this lifetime, you knew you didn't want to sweep stuff under the carpet, right? That you wanted to, to grow. And spirituality, how, well, it, if someone's really starting, it is about just dip your toe in the water, you know, read books, spiritual books that have been recommended. Um, I've got to say, I've got a teacher, Isaira, who I think is fantastic. <laughs> so you can check out their website. Really? Or you can check out my website. You can check out yes, my website. Link Live, on the website. Yeah, Living Awareness WA. Um, please do. There's a lot of information on that. Yes, and I've got a podcast as well. So, um, but look, you dip your toe in the water and if it feels like, oh God, this, as for many years, I thought half the stuff I was hearing was nuts, you know? And, and so just, if it feels like you're growing, if it feels like you're moving towards love, you keep it up. The ego will want to distract you. It will want to pull you away and, my scientific brain for years was telling me this is all wacky and what are you doing and you know but having read quantum physics lately <laughs> i realized in fact that spirituality and physics is very related uh, related yeah yes, so is. yeah it is anyway so just that just that it was meant to be a short answer i know but just keep going dip yeah. your time keep going yes so, so what are the books that you recommend to start with because yep. i think the books are they're already on different levels. So, so if you like this book, like you said, he didn't get it on the first read when he first read this. So what about one of the best books you could recommend to uh, someone who's listening? Okay. Um, well, ones I love, I do love Eckhart Tolle. I love The Power of Now. Uh, the Course in Miracles, I love. There's a book called Disappearance of the Universe by Gary Renard. Mm -hmm. which is fantastic, a fantastic explanation of spirituality. My teacher, Isaira, has got a book called Awakening You. It's fantastic. Um, but also just, you know, listen to teachers. I've got podcasts. I've got a podcast called Spiritual Psychotherapy. I'd love people to look at that. Um, I've also got one called Into the Light with Mighty Companions. That was just the beginning of my journey. Yeah. Um, listen to you two because you two are doing a great job so you know listen to people who are starting and doing what they can do to have courage and listen to their heart and yeah it'll keep you going it'll inspire you that's good i love to talk to you like all day this way <laughs> but i know we have to end this podcast so the last yeah. question for this podcast is we always say that even though you're successful or something, you are always learning and growing. Mm. So what is your biggest takeaway from this year, 2021? Uh, for me? Yes. Trusting God, put it any other way. <laughs> trusting spirit, trusting love. Yeah. Just trust. Step into yeah. it and trust. That's great. Because uh, I read it somewhere. Faith is when you believe in things you can't 
experience or feel with your like senses, right? So that's yeah. what faith trust is, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And say I trust that everyone can trust that, but trust yeah. beyond your senses and then trusting that that will help. Right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I just want to know, like, what what work you do in your spiritual psychotherapy? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So you can look me up on my website, which is Living Awareness WA. Um, I I do individual counselling, so or spiritual psychotherapy. I'm I'm trained in psychotherapy as well, and and was a GP for thirty years. So I do that, and I do group therapy, and I also run courses in meditation and workshops sometimes. And I've got a podcast as well. So there's lots of ways to access me. Um, yeah, Living Awareness WA. All right. Yeah. I just link. Dr. Mia's website and podcast link below. Anyone who's starting out looking for meditation course, you can definitely go check out her website and listen to her podcast. I have listened to a couple of episodes yep. and it's been great. And thanks for today, Dr. Mia. It's been a great podcast with you. Thank you so much, Dr. Mia, again for being in our podcast. Yeah, We'd love to hear. I'm so grateful. I can't explain how grateful I am to talk to you today. And we got our first guest as well, who is almost enlightened person, as you say, you are not enlightened. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Almost. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how long it's going to take. Might be, might be quite a while. Anyway, go on. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us today. That's all right. And, you know, namaste, Nishant yeah, and namaste. And, you know, you are on a beautiful journey and I really want to encourage you and, and well done. Keep following mm -hmm. your hearts.